Hi, welcome to Two Towns Over. This show is made possible by our patrons. If you want to monetarily support the show, we're at patreon.com slash two towns over. If you can't support us financially, then you can support us algorithmically by liking, rating, and sharing. Thanks. Enjoy the show. What the fuck happened? Uh, will you marry me? And then, the, and then the third comment was Summoning Salt is for sure going to do a video about this. And he only showed it for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I saw you click. It's fucked up. No, that's, you were I wasn't looking at me, to. so I was like, is he waiting on me for something? No, I was just... <laughs> I was just waiting. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. So, Summoning Salt is a YouTube. Uh, he's a speedrunner and a YouTuber who does videos about the history of certain game speedruns or level speedruns, shit like that. Yep. He's maybe the best on the platform. He is at, at, at what he does. Yes, absolutely. Mm. And, and the, the vibes that are uses, immaculate. Oh my god, it, he made a whole new fan. Like, oh, excuse me, an artist that he uses frequently is called Chris Dorkson. Or Dirksen, maybe? Uh, the main one, like the main Summoning Salt song that everyone associates with him, that's by Home. Okay. I don't want to have that song in my playlist only because I want it to stay associated with him. Exactly. Me too. Um, which is counterintuitive to a lot of people, but that's fine. But, like, he made a whole... There's, like, two or three artists now that I have that have a whole new fan out of me. Because of summoning salt specifically, because his videos vibes are immaculate. All right, welcome everybody to Two Towns Over. Um, it's time to get bloody and gory again. So I am Father Donathan. I'm Harriet Tubman. <laughs> I'm Josh, also known as the Above Ground Railgun. Nice. There you go. And uh, this week uh, we're doing a first part of a two-part episode. On the Colorado Cannibal. Uh, for which Don has to apologize. I don't have to apologize for Jack shit. I'm sorry? Because when I... <laughs> wait, wait. I didn't need to apologize, but like, what? <laughs> <laughs> the week that I... The last week I was with you guys, uh -huh. I told you as I was leaving, I have a two-part episode, so that gives you three weeks to work on Amanda Knox. It's not my fault that you forgot. Oh. I would like to apologize? There you go. Because I said that the next series that you guys would hear would be Amanda Knox. I was wrong. I misunderstood the plans that Don and I made. And now Josh needs to apologize to me. How dare nah. you speak out against the father? Nah. I That's the job of the son. I'm, <laughs> you're the son. He's the Holy Ghost. Right? No. Ruben's no, the I'm Holy the Ghost. Holy Ruben. Oh. He's the son. Oh. Can I trade? Yeah. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Um, I, I'm just here for the ride is what I was going to say. I don't know what the fuck's going on. So, yeah. So <laughs> Can canonically, the Holy Spirit just doesn't have any idea what's going on. Oh, yeah. The Holy Spirit's just here for the vibes, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we kind of probably need to start planning like a weekly kind of like 
uh, conference call, a fucking or Zoom meeting, something yeah. where we can kind of get things set yeah. up for the next week. Right. Well, because then that's really cool too, because I can finally be one of those people that like closes my laptop afterwards and is like, oh, this could have been an email. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> I would send you an email, but I can't do a cheeseburger emoji to get you to read it. <laughs> It's sad because the other day I left a cheeseburger emoji and Ruben was like, what I just the put fuck a question mark on it. Like, <laughs> what? Because <laughs> I had seen it like four or five times and I was like, why does he sometimes, like, occasionally you'll just boop, pop a cheeseburger in there. And I was like, what does that mean? So I said this on, on the show at one point. Uh, as soon as you reminded me, I remember. I, I am horribly bad at uh, responding to people's messages or even opening them 90% of the time. So I told Don, like, if it's important and you need me to see it and respond to it as soon as possible, uh, just send, send the important message and then send a cheeseburger emoji. Because if I see a cheeseburger, I'm going to interact with it one way or another. <laughs> and Josh is actually the... the perfect type of friend for me. As the way I communicate is primarily in memes and reels. Yeah, about 30 a day. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so it's great because I can just send him shit. And I'll know that he'll only watch maybe three of them. Like a third. Maybe. Yeah, uh-huh. And <laughs> you, you and got so a 33% watch rate. Yeah, so I don't feel bad when I do it. Because I know, like, he'll pick which ones he wants to watch. Uh-huh. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, when I sent the email or the message about the episode not being complete, I sent like 10 cheeseburgers. I saw, yeah. I was like, oh man, that's a lot of cheeseburgers. This must be really important. Often I'll send often I'll send reels to you, Ethan, and Don um, to test them. <laughs> like, yeah. To see if they're interesting enough to click on. All right. So, yeah. So, we're going to be talking about uh, Alfred Packer. Um, now, Alfred Packard was also known as the Colorado Cannibal and was an American prospector and self-proclaimed wilderness guide who confessed to cannibalism during the winter of 1874. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. the Colorado Cannibal? Yes, confessed to cannibalism. Let's, whoa. <laughs> let's go over what we've learned. <laughs> Alfred? Alfred Packer. Packer. Yes. Not Packard. Right. Packer. Uh, to I me, he is canonically related to Todd Packer from The Office now. Okay. Valid. 1874. Yes. He was caught and confessed to cannibalism? Yes. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I was keeping up. You said he was a miner, right? Uh, uh, American prospector and self-proclaimed wilderness guide. So okay. he was like a, like a literally look like a gold miner. Yes. So like, is this more cannibalism by necessity is that who the motherfucker is named after on atlantis the lost empire i have no idea he's like the explosion guy and his name is something packard or packard probably not probably not but i will say that this man in a very roundabout way is responsible for the television show south park and we will get to oh that yeah in part two as to why okay so um after emerging as the sole survivor of a six-man party who had attempted to travel through the San Juan Mountains of the Colorado Territory, he eventually confessed to having lived off their flesh, off the flesh of his companions, giving more than one version of his account as to the circumstances. Okay, so it was murder. 
<laughs> so after his story was called into question, Packer escaped jail and hid from justice for nine years. He was eventually tried, convicted and premedi- of premeditated murder and sentenced to death. Packer won a retrial and was eventually sentenced to 40 years in prison on five counts of voluntary manslaughter. All right. And that's our story yes. for the day. Goodbye. Uh, fuck cancer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming to our Be town. Be good to yourselves. <laughs> See you in part two. So Alfred Griner Packer was born in an unincorporated area of Allegheny County, Pennsylvania, near Pittsburgh on January 21st, 1842. He was one of three children born to James Packer and his wife, Esther Griner. By the uh, early 1850s, 1800s names were wild. (laughs) uh, Packer's father had moved his family to LaGrange County, Indiana, where he worked as a cabinet maker. Packer is said to have had a bitter relationship with his parents, and in his late teens, he moved to Minnesota and worked as a shoemaker. Packer served in the Union Army during the American Civil War. He enlisted on April 22, 1862 in Winona, Minnesota, and was assigned to Company F of the 18th or the 16th Infantry Regiment. Eight months later, he was honorably discharged due to epilepsy, which had triggered seizures. Hmm. On June 25, 1863, Packer enlisted in the 8th Iowa Cavalry Regiment in Ottumwa, Iowa, only for his epilepsy to result in a second discharge on April 22, 1864. Just get in the background. Yeah. Uh-huh. So Packer then traveled west and worked at numerous jobs over the next nine years. These professions included being a hunter, wagon teamster, ranch hand, and field worker, but his seizures and overall attitude ensured that he never kept a job for long. Packer also worked for a couple of months as a guide, but those who knew him at the time stated that he was ill-suited for the role and was prone to lose his way. He ended up working mining-related jobs, uh, drifting from mine to mine, but never found prosperity through the industry. It's not fucking good when you have a guide and your guide, you hear your guide mumbling, like, where the fuck are we? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he worked for a short time in the Colorado. Nah, even worse, he just, he comes to an intersection, he looks both ways, and he just goes, shit. <laughs> <laughs> My mother told me to... <laughs> He turns around to the first person behind him. He's like, have we passed that tree before? <laughs> um, yeah, he worked for a short time uh, in the Colorado. He realized at that moment, he's not been marking the trail. He's just been marking random shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he worked for a short time in the Colorado Territory as a miner, but having no luck, moved on to the Utah Territory. Now, most who knew Packer generally disliked and distrusted him, owing to his argumentative personality by his nearly pathological lying and reputation for theft. Mm-hmm. Let me see if I can, hold on. Can I, no, it's not going to let me. I was trying to make it bigger because my eyes are getting fucked right now. Oh, um, hit. No, I was, control. Let's scroll up. Well, I got to go back to. I don't know. You don't have to do that. I don't. Nope. Okay. If you highlight it. Oh, look at that. Holy shit. So much better. And no one will ever know that you did that. I That's fine. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> okay. So in November of 1873, 20 men left the Bingham Canyon Mines near Salt Lake City. The Bingham Canyon Mines? Yes. Yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. That's your Zoom so that you can 
you don't have to change the font or anything like that. Page count will stay the same. You'll just zoop, 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 and you can do that on the web page or anywhere. Good to know from now on. Yep. Um, yeah, so they left the Bingham Canyon mines near Salt Lake City for the gold fields of Breckenridge in the Colorado Territory, having heard of a massive strike that was discovered there. The men were Boy, largely... 1800s names were insane. <laughs> <laughs> the men were largely strangers to each other and banded together to make their fortune in Colorado after Bob McGrew rallied any willing men to follow him. Mm-hmm. McGrew, <laughs> McGrew? The crime kangaroo? Yes. <laughs> Fuck t-shirt. Write it down. (laughs) Add it to the list. Uh, A member of this original party, George Tracy, claimed that the men encountered Packard some 25 miles from their starting point near Provo. You all right? (laughs) He's just losing his mind over (laughs) McGrew, the crime kangaroo. (laughs) Packer uh, Packer asked where they were headed, and when he heard that they were headed to the gold country of the San Juan Mountains, he said he would like to join them. Now, Packer was without money and also lacked adequate supplies. So the men were apprehensive to take him along, but Packer claimed he was both a prospector and a guide, and that he knew the San Juan territory well. His claim gave him a position of worth among the simple prospectors who knew little or nothing of Colorado's geography. Unfortunately, neither did Packer. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking rip. That's like a a fucking... fucking... That's like the worst like random event that you could get in a modernized Oregon Trail playthrough. <laughs> like your caravan meets a man along the road. He's asking for passage. He doesn't have money or supplies, but he says he knows the area, and then he fucking doesn't. Yeah. And so you 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 die of dysentery because you picked up this random ass hitchhiker. Uh, that'd be a fun game mechanic though, because you could make it so that whenever he tells you a direction to go. Choose any other direction. (laughs) (laughs) So members of this original party later said that he had vastly overstated his experience of being a seasoned guide familiar to the area or had even possibly fabricated his qualifications altogether. Wow. He was also reported as being without a rifle at the time the expedition left, having only a Colt revolver with him. Now, throughout the course of their journey, Packer was reported as being greedy with rations, a bit of a beggar, lazy and obstinate he was reported to have quarreled constantly with party member frank miller now at the time the man who wrote yes the man who wrote batman Batman. year one yes (laughs) thank you at the time of his first (laughs) trial packer was characterized as a whining fraud by party member preston nutter okay (laughs) all right Oh my god, it's an overload. It's an <laughs> overload. Oh my shit. Oh. Um, his seizures also oh. made his presence in the group strenuous. Wow. A man who has... <laughs> a man who is currently having a seizure is like, I know the area. And you're like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and, and you pick him up and then he eats all your food. Steals your shit, it sounds like. And meets just meets a man named Preston Nutter and just <laughs> makes fun of him forever. So the party made less than uh, adequate progress progress uh, progress. Just generally slows you down. Yeah. Uh-huh. The winter was becoming a major obstacle for them as the wagons and horses of the assemblage were being bogged down, along with the fact that the Spanish trail that they were likely following was becoming heavily snowed over and largely indistinct 
indistinguishable, forcing the men to rely almost solely on a compass. Now, Packer's inexperience was also beginning to show itself, and the party ultimately became lost. Provisions quickly ran out, and the men were reduced to surviving for a considerable length of time on horse feed, and were nearly at the point and were nearing the point where the horses themselves were the next to be eaten. On January 21st, 1874, the party came upon an encampment of Chief Ore, uh, who was known as the white man's fr- friend near Montrose, Colorado, with the un- mm. <laughs> Uncomfagri Valley. Within the Uncomfagri Valley. God, fuck. Within the Uncomfagri... Com- I don't know. U-N-C-O-M-P-A-H-G-R-E. Let me look. I, I can't get over the white man's friend. Uncompagri Valley. There you go. Maybe. Now, the men were desperate, but still approached the camp with great trepidation, unsure of how uh, they would be received by the tribe. Now, although they reportedly scared some of the Utes away with their haggard appearance, Chief Ore, U-T-E-S, some of the Utes. Utes. Uh, Chief Orway greeted them as welcome guests and supplied them with food and lodging, to their grateful astonishment. Now, he recommended they postpone their expedition until spring, since they were likely to encounter dangerous winter weather in the mountains. He told them that no Ute... Uh, uh, white man, do not go out. <laughs> <laughs> he told them that no Ute would attempt such a journey, and that to chance it would be to risk almost certain death. Orway offered... Hey. Uh, just for future reference for anybody, this goes for the wilderness, for unexplored territory, for your culture, uh, for the new neighborhood. If if the nice man at the blo- on the corner is like, hey, little little one, I have lived here my whole life, and I'm telling you, don't leave your house after eight. Uh huh. Don't fucking leave your house. Past 8 p.m. Don't do it. Don't do it. They know what the fuck they're talking about. Yep. If they tell you not to take I-95 at 4 o'clock, don't fucking be on 95 at 4. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so, um, Ore offered to allow the men to stay with his tribe until the winter had passed and pr- promised to share all that he and his people had with them. Now, Breckenridge, Colorado, where they were heading, had been, was being descended upon by miners from all over the country, and a fear of missing out on the riches made some of the men anxious to continue on. After a couple of weeks with Ore and Boy, his people... I've been there. <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> the party convened to discuss leaving. However, it was the beginning of February at this point, and the snow had been relentless since their arrival, meaning that half of the party was forced to stay put with their wagons and horses until spring. Eleven men uh, were unencumbered, so they decided to proceed on. They intended to travel first to the Los Pinos Indian Agency, which was the closest outpost to the camp, and proceed onward to Breckenridge from there. Now, Chief Ore saw that there was no changing the men's minds and gave them food for their journey, as well as safe directions that bypassed the mountains. Packer, however, was in favor of getting to the agency by going through the mountains, I don't know why people so consistently think they can fuck with the Rocky Mountains in winter. (laughs) This is the San Juan Mountains. Is that the same mountain range? Oh, God, I don't actually know off the top of my head. I went to school in Florida, but I don't know shit about geography. I mean, I I went to school partially in Colorado, but... 
either way, they're in the same area. So same mountains, maybe just slightly different. Like how you got the Appalachians and then the Smoky Mountains. So no, it, it's its own mountain range, but it is in Colorado. Yeah. So that still makes it insanely high elevation yeah. comparatively to anywhere else in America. But yeah, so um, where'd it go? Yeah, so uh, he was in favor of getting to the agency by going through the mountains, stating it was a more direct route. Five of the 11 men were adamantly in favor. Yeah, I also don't understand why people insist upon going through the mountains when, like, historically, going around the mountains is both safer and ultimately faster mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah. Like, you know? So it's it's the thing that's, like, slow is steady, steady is fast. Yeah. That's the, that's the point. When... Yep. Dealing with in dangerous survival situations like this. Yep. It's the same thing as in a kitchen. Like or yeah. any other environment that that it's important that you do the thing well but quickly. Yes. Slow down. Don't purposefully make your movement slow or whatever, but like no. slow down. Take steady. the time to steady your steps and your what you know, whatever the steps are that you need to do. Make sure you're doing each step correctly before you do the next one, and then continue on. Like, that is the most likely way to get out of a situation like this. Slow is steady. Steady is fast. Safe is always better. Like, it just is. Movies may make you think, books, you know, fantasy novels, oh, let's go through the mountains, Mm -hmm. whatever. Like, yeah, if you're getting chased by an army. Right. But, like, you're not. You're getting chased by winter. Stay away from winter's house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> winter was born here. Like, you, you, you merely adopted the cold. That's where they make winter. So, uh, five of the 11 men were adamantly in favor of following Ore's directions, which would largely have, have them follow the Gunnison River. Along its banks. Now, Packer insisted that he knew the country well and that his way was quicker. Even in winter, river, good source of food and water. Mm -hmm. Do not go away from that shit. No. Um, Eventually securing five men to follow him. And we've never even prospected. Yeah. Not even we know this. (laughs) Oliver D. Lautzenheiser. And the four other men left first, following the Gunnison River. He's just saying them. I know. Continue. Like it's not a big deal. Like it's not a big deal. (laughs) This party's own journey was besieged by bad weather and freezing temperatures. And although they followed the river, provisions ran out well before they reached their destination. The men were close to starvation when cow hands with the government cattle camp near Gunnison, Colorado. It's, at this point, you've said so many bizarre names that you said when cow hands. I thought that was a person. <laughs> <laughs> cow hands McGrew. <laughs> cow hands Galvarino. That's the sequel. Oh, my God. <laughs> he just straps cows to his hands. Like oh. fucking hammers. <laughs> swinging them. So anyway, there's a character in One Piece, kind of, whose name is Galdino. Um... And Cowhands Gaudino is Galvarino's cousin. You know what I'm um, so the men were close to starvation no, when Cowhands with the government cattle camp near Gunnison, Colorado. I think we meet Galdino soon. Uh, came upon them by chance and gave them food and shelter. They remained at the camp until later that April. Now on February 9th, Packer and the five other 
others in his party left for the Los Pinos Indian Agency. So what you're saying is the men who decided to follow the river, they got they fucking made it. They made it. Yeah, they didn't get to Breckenridge, but they made it. To but safety. they yeah, but they made it to shelter and like safety and like food. Right. Okay. Cool. Let's see what happens with Packer's group. <laughs> uh, so yes, they left for the Lopinos Indian Agency intending to traverse the mountains. Besides Packer, the group compo- comprised Shannon Wilson Bell, James Humphrey, Frank Butcher Miller, George California New. Was that a nickname? Yes. Yeah. Was that his profession? I think so. Okay. Uh, George California Noon and Israel Swan. <laughs> Say all of those names again, but slower. Shannon Wilson Bell. Okay, that's just an 1800s, like, <laughs> you know, yes. like uh-huh. uh, yep. James Humphrey. Okay, cool. Sure. That's an explorer. Frank Butcher Miller. That's a badass. Uh, that's a bad. That's the Barrett of the group. Yeah, uh-huh. Barrett from Final Fantasy. Not George yeah. California not Noon. That's fair. Uh, George California Noon and Israel Swan. California Noon. Yes. That's. That's the Han Solo of the group. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Was George George California Noon? Huh? George California Noon? Yes. George California Noon shot first. <laughs> Israel Swan shot second. Yes. Now the fact that no one in the other group opposed the departure of their quote guy. Israel Swan should have a fucking rapier. And a magical cloak. <laughs> That's I'm thinking Swan like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, so I'm picturing him like Orlando Bloom. In, oh, true, yeah. true. His name wasn't Swan though. No, I know, oh, but okay, hers was, and so. So yeah, the fact that nobody in the other group opposed. And it's the... very clear to everyone who watched that franchise whose name should have been taken by whom. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that no one in the other group opposed to the departure of their quote guide has left many researchers to conclude that the Packers' inexperience and not the Packers, Packers', <laughs> Packers inexperience and overall attitude had become quite taxing to them. Green Bay? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's really clear to everyone that the Green Bay Packers were not going to survive this trip into yes. the Rockies. Um, <laughs> and, that they, and that they figured that they were better off without him. The men in Packers Can't party... a home game in winter. <laughs> the men in Packers party had a 75-mile journey ahead of them. Or I guess an away game. Whatever. Fuck um, do sports. The leader of the combined parties, Bob McGrew... Um, the leader of the combined party, yeah, Bob McGrew, guided Packers party along the river route advised by Chief Oray until his horses could not continue. McGrew unloaded the men's provisions and went back to Oray's camp. The men continued along the river for a time before Packer took his party along a path higher up in the San Juan Mountains, disregarding Oray's ominous warning. This decision was made when the men barely had enough food to cover the supposed 14 days it would take to travel the safest route, possessed no snowshoes, had a bare minimum of matches and no flint, and also had no heavy clothing that would combat the extreme cold. What the fuck convinced them to go with him? I don't know. I don't know. What? It's high charisma rolls. <laughs> but he doesn't even have that. They didn't like him. Deception is a charisma roll? Yeah. That's true. Like, Persuasion. I, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, McGrew should have known better. They went into the mountains with two rifles, one pistol, a couple of knives, a hatchet, and minimal ammunition. Say that list again, please. Two rifles, uh-huh. one pistol, 
Wow. A couple of knives. Okay. A hatchet and minimal ammunition. For how Look, many people? Okay, six, the, the people? Kid, six people. The fucking kid in man. Hatchet only had one of those things, and he did fine. Yeah, but it was only one of him, and he didn't have fucking Packer with him. <laughs> <laughs> what happened after this is not clear. On April 16th, 1874, Packer emerged from the woods alone. And also, good pull. Thanks. <laughs> I know what he's talking about. You, uh, what is it I'm called again? Hatchet. Manga. Hatchet. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Good. Good shit. Yeah. Brian Paulson's. Uh-huh. I'll show you later. So on April 16th, 1874, Packer emerged from the woods alone and stumbled his way across a frozen lake bed to the Los Pinos Indian Agency near Seguache, Colorado, with rags latched to his feet. As the men of the agency... So he made it. Yes. I wonder how. <laughs> the men of the agent, as, uh, as the men of the agency sat around the table of the mess hall eating breakfast, the door was flung open, and Packer stood before them begging for food and shelter. He carried with him a rifle a knife, a steel coffee pot, and a satchel. The men hurried Packer inside, sat him down at the table, and gave him some food, which he vomited as quickly as he ate it. So he didn't have the hatchet? No. No, there's your problem right there. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> um, at this point, he's alone. Again, the, the kid from Hatchet knew nothing. So Packer said that his digestion was altered. For a while, he had a little bit of help. Uh, did he? Mm-hmm. Because, oh, wait, no, I might be thinking of the other one. No, I think it's Hatchet, though, where he meets somebody, like an indigenous person, maybe? Uh, That's not, no, that's how he gets back. He gets home. Oh, is it? Yeah, when he meets the, the native woman, yeah. Then I am thinking of a different one where there's this, there's a story where this kid, it's like, these times, 1800s or, or before, like, this kid goes out uh, into the wilderness, like, they're they're venturing west, so they're in the wilderness, they're building a log cabin, and his dad goes back to get their family, and so the kid has to, like, survive without him, and, it, and he, he doesn't know a lot, and then he meets, like, a native person who teaches him, like, how to make stuff, and where to get food, and such. The, the author was Gary Paulson. Gary Paulson. Wow. I was so close. This podcast is powered by Podbean Podcast Hosting. Are you thinking about starting your own podcast or looking for the best home for your podcast? Check out all the amazing features Podbean offers with unlimited bandwidth and storage for an affordable price. That's right, unlimited. Visit www.podbean.com slash unlimited to check it out today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash unlimited. So yeah, so he vomited as quickly as he ate the food. Packer said that his digestion was altered as a result of his prolonged near starvation. After several shots of whiskey, he related to the men the events leading up to Ore's camp and that he had been hired by five men to guide them to Breckenridge from there. He stated that during their journey, he had become snowblind and was lagging behind the remainder of his party. Where is he now? He is in Breckenridge? No, he made it. This is the Indian... Uh, Place. What's it called? The uh, Los Pinos Indian Agency. Got it. Um, uh, Packer claimed that a member of his party named Israel Swan supply, supplied him with a rifle. They then abandoned him. 
He claimed that he was then forced to survive on his own and make his way out of the mountains with minimal ammunition and virtually no supplies and ate little else than roots and rosebuds the entire time he was alone. Mm-hmm. The men of the agency listened to his story but found it rather odd that even though he had been lost in the wilderness for a little over two months, he did not look as malnourished and threadbare as most lost wanderers that they had ever come across. Weird that. Gee. His face was reported as being bloated and his overall physique hardly skeletal. Packer claimed that he was broke and sold the Winchester rifle he had in his possession to Major to Major Downer. <laughs> no, no, no way. Wow. <laughs> it's like this was handpicked for us. I feel vindicated for all wow. the times when I was 12. A real a real major downer. Yes. <laughs> Incredible. I, who, uh, inspiring. Who was the agency's justice of the peace for $10, which is the equivalent to $259 in 2022. Packer stayed at the agency for 10 days before he expressed that he wished to go back home to Pennsylvania and then headed to the nearby town of Saguache to buy supplies for his journey. Am I pronouncing that name correctly, Mr. Colorado? What? what? Saguache? Probably. Okay. Yeah, sounds right. When he reached Saguache, Packer made arrangements to room in Dolan's saloon. Larry Dolan, the owner, claimed that Packer had spent about $100, which is the equivalent of $2,586 $2, in 2022 during his stay, and that Packer even offered to lend him $300. Uh, to be clear, I am not the authority on names of places in Colorado because most of them are native names, yeah. and I don't know. And we're going to say Saguache. It sounds right to me. Packer also spent $78 in Otto Mir's general store. It was also claimed that he had several different wallets in his possession. <laughs> Packer drank heavily, and after becoming intoxicated, he gave conflicting stories regarding his journey and how he came to be separated from the other men. Now, this led to quick gossip among the townspeople, given his inconsistent story, seemingly endless cash flow, and the fact that his party was still unheard from. Preston Nutter, a member of the original party who remained at Ore's camp, arrived in Saguache around this time with two other original party members. He encountered Packer in Dolan's saloon, drinking and carrying on. Nutter asked Packer where the rest of his party was, with Packer claiming that he had got his feet wet and frozen. He stated that they had set up camp when a winter storm set in, and he started a fire to warm up. Uh, What a lot of people don't know about Nutter is that he actually he later went on to uh meet this guy named uh Alfred Butter. Yeah. And they created they went one of the most famous they they went snacks. into yeah, it's much much like, you know, uh the the Forrest Gump yeah. uh sto- Gump story of Bubba Gump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um that that's how we got Nutter Butters. Mm-hmm. So, um yeah, he stated they had set up camp when a winter storm set in and he started a fire to warm up while the others went ahead to look for food. I'll let her butter. (laughs) (laughs) Packer claimed that Swan left him with his rifle in case of trouble and that they never returned. He presumed that they had abandoned him. He claimed that he was forced to lead the party to an unknown fate as he had no idea where they went when they left him and lived mainly on rosebuds and the occasional squirrel as he made his trek out. Now, Nutter thought his story odd, considering that Packer looked rather well-fed and that it would be a 
fatal choice for five miners unfamiliar with Colorado to abandon their guide in the snowbound mountains of a territory he claimed to know well. Their Unless guide. their guide was this guy. <laughs> Nutter also thought it peculiar that Israel Swan would give Packer his rifle, leaving the group of four with only one rifle as a means of shooting game. Additionally, he noted that Packer had in his possession a skinning knife that belonged to Frank Miller. When Nutter asked Packer... It's Batman fame. Yeah. When, when Nutter asked Packer how he came to have it, Packer claimed that Miller had stuck it in a tree and walked off without it. Uh-huh. Having had doubts about Packer's story from the beginning, Nutter was convinced that something nefarious had happened. Nutter had come to view Packer in the same negative light as... Let's call him Preston. Who? <laughs> Nutter? No. Uh, okay. No, Don's right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Nutter had came to it view... It makes it delightful. It's it distracting. It <laughs> Nutter had come to view Packer in the same negative light as Lautzenheiser, based on his behavior leading up to the arrival at Ore's camp. Lautzenheiser is one we didn't get to touch on earlier. That shit is rad. Accusations... That's, a, that's a wizard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, accusations were flung and words were exchanged with Nutter threatening to hang Packer. Nutter later stated, regarding Packer... <laughs> All the drama just sucked right out. <laughs> Nutter and Packer, huh? Yeah. Uh, so Nutter later stated... First you, first you Packer, then you Nutter. <laughs> Nutter, I, I hardly knew her. Packer, I hardly knew her. Fuck. <laughs> so, uh, yes, so Letter Nader, Letter Nader, God, fuck. Nutter, Nutter later stated, regarding Packer, he was sulky, obstinate, and quarrelsome. He was a petty thief willing to take things that did not belong to him, whether of any value or not. Putter Nutter later, Letter. <laughs> yeah. The two men were separated and Packer made plans to move on. Meanwhile, back at the Los Pinos Indian Agency, two men of the five-man party that had taken the Gunnison River route before being rescued by government cowhands finally arrived at their destination. They were joined by a few You're days... right. You're right. He said government cowhands. And I was like, uh -huh. what the fuck is that again? <laughs> they were joined a few days later by the remaining three men, including Oliver D. Lautzenheiser. The, man, the men were introduced to the head of the agency. Oliver D. Lautzenheiser? Yes. God. That is a damn wizard. man. <laughs> he is a German wizard, and he is very friendly. Yeah. The men were introduced to the head of the agency, General Charles Adams, who greeted them and relayed oh. to them that he had already received another member of their party by the name of Alfred Packer, and that he spoke of desertion at the hands of his companions. I'm just imagining Caleb Widow gassed from season, uh, campaign two of Critical Role. <laughs> Um, all five men at once discredited what Packer had told the general and his staff, stating that the men that they had known would never abandon a man to die. Lautzenheiser flatly told the general that Packer was not to be trusted and that he was sure that something bad had happened in the mountains. He noted the Winchester rifle carried in by Packer belonged to an elderly man in Packer's party and that a pipe he had left behind at the agency belonged to a man named Shannon Bell. Wow. Who was also a member of his party? I want to know how he can how he did it. Right. Well, I will never really yeah. know, I guess, because he's the only one who knew. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Mm -hmm. But like, how did he? Fucking five other men. Well, you got to think. At that point, they were starving. They might have been weakened. That's fair. But they had guns yeah. before he did. 
Yeah. The men convinced General Adams to dispatch a mounted agency officer to Seguache at once to retrieve Packer for questioning, but under the guise of recruiting him for a search party for the missing men. Because you have to think it's months, which means he did not kill them all at once. Right. Because you can't... Out in the wilderness, you can't really store, especially with minimal supplies, you can't yeah. store it or smoke it. Yeah. So. Uh, the agency, uh, Packer was in the process of getting his things gathered to leave the area when he was again approached by Nutter and some other men. The agency officer arrived just in time and got between the men. He told Packer he had been sent to enlist him as a guide for the search party for the missing men. Packer was reluctant to go, but with little other option than vigilante justice, he agreed. He mounted his recently purchased horse and followed the officer back to Los Pinos, but not before Nutter had a private chat with the officer. Upon arriving at the agency, Packer came face to face with General Adams and five men he had not seen since February. The agency officer came in after Packer and relayed to General Adams that a man named Preston Nutter had told him Packer had spent several hundred dollars over his six-week stay in Saguache, as well as buying a new horse and saddle, that he was in possession of things that belonged to missing men, and that he was penniless when he had originally joined their party. Lautzenheiser demanded an explanation from Packer, who repeated the story exactly as he had told it the first time. Packer showed amazement that the men had not been heard from and was concerned for their well-being. Lautzenheiser scoffed at his story, demanding that to know where his newly acquired wealth came from. With Packer stating that he had received the cash loan from a man in Saguache, Adams told Packer that if this were true, then he should not mind staying at the agency while the, officers were, while the officer was sent back to Saguache to verify his story. Packer agreed with slight hesitation. The officer was dispatched at once and after a short while returned with news from various sources that Packer had been seen with several different wallets and had told varying stories regarding his journey. He had arrived in Saguache with plenty of cash and no one in town claimed to have lent him a penny. Adams convened a council of five miners, himself, Packer, and the agency officers to settle the matter. Do you know what's crazy to me? Hmm. This is how justice should work. Hey, I know, hey, officer, I noticed some inconsistencies with this man's story. Uh-huh. Source, I was fucking there. Um, maybe we should check that out. And the officer's like, sounds about right. Let's do that. And then they do. And presumably he's fucking in jail, at least for a little while. Like, that's kind of how fast it should go, right? Like, mm-hmm. as fast as the information can travel. Uh-huh. With a little more burden of proof, but... Yeah. yeah. Sure, sure. But that's what they're doing now, is yeah. they're gathering proof. That's the point. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. they come back, he had a bunch of different wallets, y'all said he was broke when he met up with you. Yeah. And now he's throwing over now thousands of dollars worth of money. Right. Right. I mean, the, the writing is pretty much on the fucking wall. Yeah. It's, he's, he was broke when he got there, like you said. Now he has a fuck ton of money. Uh, he's saying that they abandoned him. He could have even he could have made up a way better lie. He could have said that they all died and he made it back and brought their belongings. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they abandoned you but they gave you all their shit. Uh-huh. So as they began the proceedings, two Ute tribesmen rushed into the agency holding strips of dried human flesh that they referred to as white man's meat. 
Wow. That's just unseasoned chicken. Yes. <laughs> Over white rice. Yes. Served with potato salad with raisins. Oh, fuck <laughs> off. Not, uh, not, not even. Not in this house. <laughs> Which they had found on a hill near the agency while hunting. Packer reportedly fainted and crumpled to the floor. He was revived and profusely began begging for mercy, swearing to make a full confession. After a long silence, he cryptically stated to Adams, it would not be the first time that people had been obliged to eat each other when they were hungry. Packer slowly and sobbingly began to tell what was to become one of several different official statements over the next three decades. Wow. Herman Lauder, the agency clerk, was in attendance and transcribed Packer's first official statement. Packer claimed that the men had left Ore's camp with what they thought was sufficient food for the anticipated 14-day journey ahead of them. Before they knew it, the provisions were exhausted, owing to the rough terrain and expenditure of energy needed for the traverse. They survived for days on roots dug from the ground, pine gum, rosebuds, and the occasional rabbit. After a few days of no wildlife activity due to the extreme cold and eating virtually nothing but roots, he claimed that the men started to eye each other in an unsettling way, their stomachs twisting in hunger. A few days after this, he left camp to gather dry firewood and returned to find four men around the slain body of Israel Swan, who had been struck in the head with a hatchet and killed instantly. The four started to butcher Swan, with Packer accepting the situation and and joining them. He claimed several thousand dollars was found on Swan's person and divided between the men. They consumed the most agreeable parts of Swan's body, packed some up, and moved on, with Packer appropriating Swan's rifle. Within two days, however, the five men were again out of meat, and game continued to elude them. Packer, Bell, Humphrey, and Noon decided in secret that Miller would be the next to go. Of Batman fame. Yes. Mm -hmm. The Butcher. Which is funny. You would want to keep the butcher. If you're having to cut meat, you'd want to keep the butcher. You probably would, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but the butcher also knows how to most efficiently kill you. Right. So Packer confessed that Miller was a stocky man and was chosen for his amount of soft flesh. Oh, that's fair, too. He was killed with a hatchet blow to the head while he was stooping to pick up wood for the fire, then butchered and consumed. And then Packer took Miller's knife, having admired it, and Miller shared a and it's Miller's... also 1874, which means they all have a fairly intimate knowledge yeah, of Yeah, everybody had to hunt for food back then. <laughs> so yeah, so Packer took Miller's knife, having admired it, and Miller's share of Swan's money was redistributed amongst the four men, who then moved on to Los Pinos. The winter was relentless, and the men were slow moving, barely able to see in front of them, cursing the wind that was cutting at their exposed skin. Now Humphrey... When... I don't know much about walking distances, but I feel like people in the region would have noticed these storms that you're talking about. And maybe they were storms, but yeah. how much of this is false? Probably all of it. <laughs> Probably a good chunk. So Humphrey was the next... You know what's crazy, though, is that when you started this uh, first confession, yeah, I was like, it's wild that this is going to be the most accurate version of it that we're ever going to get. Because... As time goes on, he just has more and more time to think up bullshit. Well, he's already had, I know, you know what, two months? Yeah. Two months. 
So that's what I was thinking is like, this is the two month version. And he said different ones over decades. Like, uh-huh. not only is your memory degrading, but you're actively thinking of ways to lie better. You know, that's. I think there will be insight to glean from hearing all of the different versions, too, because there are going to be certain things that stay the same. Yeah. Whether they're staying the same because that's the lie that he wants to go with and that he has memorized and rehearsed, or they're staying the same because that is one of the few things that's true. Yeah. See, I would, at least at this point, I would believe that that did happen. At least that, that at first, you know, whether or not he was... There when it happened, I do believe as a group they decided, hey, this guy, you know, we kill him, we got food. Yeah. Why they wouldn't have killed Packer, I don't know. Right, as the most useless person. Right. And the newest. Yeah. Um. But it, do, 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 do. So yeah, Humphrey was the next to be sacrificed. Because he did it. That's what I'm saying. Followed uh, before too long by George Noon. At last, it was just down to Bell and Packer. He claimed that the two men swore on Almighty God not to eat each other. They each had a rifle at this point and a couple thousand dollars of Swan's cash and presumed that two men would fare well on the remainder of their trip with what minimal game there was to be found. They agreed that they would say the four men had perished from the elements and were buried with dignity, vowing never to speak of their cannibalism. They felt no one would ever believe that it was, quote, necessary as they had. Even even though there's infinite number of cannibal stories. Oh, yeah. That are exactly like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, after- the one like the one we did on our podcast that I do have sympathy for the people who were in it because mm-hmm. it was necessary for them. Yeah, the Essex. But for these, for this motherfucker. Well, the Essex and the the, oh, the Andes people. Yeah, yeah Andes the people. rugby team. Yeah. And then, and then of course, there's also most famously the Donner Party. Yeah, which we'll do eventually. I'm yeah. sorry, I don't know about. That one being necessary. It the Donner Party? Being, yeah. Yeah, extremely necessary. Is it? Uh, yeah. yeah. I don't know. That, that's the, the quintessential uh, cannibalism. cannibalism by necessity yeah. story. Oh, then oh, yeah. I have been misassociating the words Donner Party with a whole different situation. <laughs> ah, and it's it's just a, an, an insanely happy coincidence that the O is right next to the I on a keyboard. <laughs> Why? Because then you go from Donner Party to Dinner Party. Ah. Uh, Yep. They didn't even have QWERTY back then, though, bud. (laughs) After trekking for a few days with little else (laughs) eaten other than a rabbit and some roots, the men were exhausted. You're just going to let that pass? (laughs) (laughs) And set up camp next to a large lake that was skirted on one side by a large grove of hemlock trees. Packer said that a few days after this, Bell snapped up out of his blanket and screamed that he could not take it anymore. He told Packer that one of them was going to die for food. He snatched his rifle and sprinted at Packer with it ready to bash his skull in. Packer deflected the blow and struck Bell in the head with the hatchet. He claimed that at this point, the only fear he had was left to starve to death. Or he had left was to starve to death. He then butchered Bell, eating as much as he could in preparation for the remaining leg of his journey and packed a good amount away. He relieved Bell of his share of Swan's money and then headed on, unsure how far he was from anywhere or whether he was ever even going to survive. I always love that phrasing. He relieved him 
of his share of yeah. Swan's mm-hmm. money. Yeah. Because it was a burden for him. I know this is a burden to you. Yeah. Now that you're dead. Yes. I I will take this, you know. I will take this heavy burden from you. Yes. Asalaam alaykum. Resquiat in pace and all that. Yes. In namanis padre. What the fuck? Anyways. So, yeah. He relieved. Yeah. I got to where it was. After a while, he mounted a hill and saw at long last the Los Pinos Indian Agency. He threw the remaining strips of Bell's flesh away, presuming that an animal would hastily eat them, and admitted that he did so with a fair degree of hesitation. He confessed that he had grown quite fond of human flesh and found, a portion around the, found the portion around the breasts to be especially delicious. That's how serial killers talk. <laughs> yep. So Lautzenheiser... I guess, though, this guy would be considered a mass murderer, huh? Yeah. Um... Mm-hmm. What is it over? It depends, actually. He may, by definition that we have now, be a serial killer, depending on how this story actually yeah. played out. If so, he if actually it was killed separate everybody. incidents, but you have to go on the fact that he did every murder, yeah, and not as well, a group that they decided to kill someone and it just slowly whittled down, and he killed the last person. Isn't Charles Manson a serial killer? No, Charles no. Manson never killed. Well, he killed somebody, but it was. He he basically got uh, convicted for conspiracy. Ah, okay. More or less. And the fact that he was the one who told him to do it. Got it. But he never the, actually murdered any of those. Right, but the definition of serial killer that we talked about in Gein was three or more over the span of a month. Right. With a, oh, with a, a cool-down period. period in between. Right. Yeah, so... so assuming he did... This was only at least two three months. of those murders, and it was over the course of two months. So yeah. if he did three of them himself over the course of two months, yeah. that they were out there, then and by he's definition, he did he's at least two killer. of them. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he said the second guy he killed, and then this the uh, Bell, uh, Bell, just, you know, just now, I guess, in the story. Yeah. So, Lautzenheiser erupted with anger, but General Adams exerted his authority and called for a conference among the five men and the agency officers to determine the next course of action. Now, it was decided that a search party would be assembled at once to find the men's remains. The five Utah men claimed that they did not believe one part of Packer's story, and that Bell was the sort of man that would lay down his life for another if needed. General Adams asked asked of the two Ute men if they knew of an area next to a lake that Packer had described. I will say, as far as them saying, like, Bell Bell is somebody who would lay down his life for somebody else. Yeah. Absolutely nobody knows what they or anybody else will do when they are that hungry. Yeah. And and desperate. Yes. None of us know. I think that's why out of all the crimes, I mean... It, like we did the Greyhound Cannibal. I'm not uh-huh. talking about him. But no. The Essex or the, the Andes plane crash. Yeah. We don't know. We can say that I would never eat human flesh. I, well, I think we talked about yeah. this during the Andes plane crash episode. Right. That is That is a crime. That's a crime of necessity. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that you're willing to do. And it's not something you're going to continue unless like Packer who likes the taste of man breast. Uh-huh. But it's not something you plan to do again. 
And I'm sure most of the right. people who ended up doing it lived with that the rest of their lives. Yes. Like, I, I want to make it clear to ev- everybody, everybody who is listening, you have never been that hungry. Yep. I have never been that hungry. N- none of us have ever been that hungry. Right. We don't know. Right. Tell you what, let's go into the mountains. No. Uh, nope. <laughs> nope. Uh, last time you took me into the mountains, it was good. It was fun. Uh, I don't know if I want to flip that coin again. (laughs) Considering two people got injured on that trip. Jesse got injured on that trip. Uh, she dislocated her shoulder and Cindy in her sleep. Yeah. And Cindy fucked her knee up. Oh, that's right. She slid when we were at the falls. She slipped. That's right. So yeah, your plans were foiled. You only got two. I know. I don't. I don't know how you managed to make Jesse dislocate her shoulder in her sleep. That was that was really tricky. What you did there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So yeah, <laughs> that's so, a real thing that still happens. Yes. So they said that such a place existed roughly fifty miles away across the hills. The search party was headed by agency clerk Herman Louder, and consisted of five miners from Utah, a few agency officers, and Packer. Once again, acting as a guide. After Why? <laughs> well, I think because he came... I mean, it's kind of, you know, it's just the 50-mile... Anyways. No. I, th- this is him acting as a guide in the sense of, like, he knows where it was. Right, yeah. So... But I don't think he did. <laughs> That's fair. So after two weeks, as the party was reaching the area of the Lake Fork in the Gunnison River, Packer claimed, <laughs> surprised, that he was lost and that the area did not look right. Lautzenheiser called Packer a liar and a murderer and insisted that he be hanged then and there. Nothing was found, and the party headed back to the agency. Along their route back, Packer attempted to murder Herman Lauder with a large (gasps) knife he had concealed in his clothing. He was caught in the act, restrained, and arrested. General Adams had been willing to believe Packer up to this point, but the unprovoked attack made made on his officer's life convinced him that Packer was dangerous. He was transported to Saguache and jailed by the sheriff outside the town itself for his own protection. So, during Packer's detention... Fucking surprise, surprise. Right. He retracted what he had told the men at the agency about the events leading up to the five men losing their lives. He now claimed that the men had encountered a strong blizzard along their way through the mountains. The... Sorry. The snow fell so heavily and persistently that they became hopelessly lost and were unable to retrace their steps back to their starting point. Provisions were already minimal when they began the trek and quickly ran out. They just as quickly ran out of matches and were forced to carry hot embers and a steel coffee pot to have a means to light fires. Days went by with no signs of game and attempts at ice fishing proved utterly futile. After roasting and eating their shoes and attempting to survive on what scant and edible vegetation they could find, the men, claimed Packer, entered into a pact whereby if one died, his meat would serve to save the others from starvation. After days of hiking went with that first dog. Yeah, uh-huh. After days of hiking with virtually nothing to eat, Israel Swan could go no further, and the others were dangerously fatigued. They found a pine shaded gulch next to a lake and set up camp. A short time after this, Swan died of com- combination of hunger and exposure, according to Packer. 
This was Packer's first confession. Old Man Swan died first when he was and was eaten by the other five persons about ten days out of camp. Four or five days afterwards, Humphreys died and was also eaten. He had about one hundred and thirty to three dollars. I found the pocketbook and took the money. Sometime afterwards, while I was carrying wood, the butcher was killed, and the other told me the other two told me accidentally, as the oh my god, as the other two told me accidentally, and he was also eaten. Bell shot California with Swan's gun, and I killed Bell. Shot him. I covered up the remains and took a large piece along, then traveled 14 days into the agency. Bell wanted to kill me with his knife, struck a tree, and broke his gun. Now, in Packer's later amended version of the story, the men had endured almost 20 days from Orray's camp and more than 10 without any substantial food at all. Packer elaborated that James Humphrey had also died of exposure to the extreme cold and that George Noon was killed later by Shannon Bell for the sole purpose of food. After there was no more substantial meat to be had from the three fallen men. Then it was just down to Bell and himself. He claimed that he and Bell had agreed that they would stand together until the end, swearing not to eat each other. Days went by and Bell could no longer take the hunger and rushed at Packer with his rifle, intending to bludgeon him with his stock. Packer then shot Bell with his pistol. Packer confessed to taking the valuables of the deceased members, claiming they no longer needed them, but made no statements as to the exact items taken, nor to the amount of money accrued. The following August, the site of the incident was happened upon by John A. Randolph, an illustrator who worked for Harper's Weekly magazine. He discovered all five of the bodies at the foot of Slumgullion's Pass, two miles southeast of Lake City, Colorado in a pine-shaded gulch skirted by hemlock trees. They lay above the lake fork of the Gunnison River, now known colloquially as Dead Man's Gulch, which matched the description of where Packer had originally claimed that only Bell had met his end. The men would have been well within hiking distance of the nearby city had they descended the lake fork instead of traversing up it, especially in their alleged desperate situation, but Packer was the guide. The snow that had been covering the bodies and campsite had melted in the intervening four months. Randolph sketched the scene as he found it and then alerted authorities in nearby Lake City. The story was covered two months later in the October 17, 1874 edition of Harper's Weekly and included his illustration of the site. So right there, all five bodies were in the same location. Yeah. So So probably not a serial killer. Sorry. You all right? Which means he's probably not a serial killer. Right. It was probably... It was a mass murder. Right. Yeah. So it was a mass murder. Yep. So the local coroner and law enforcement uh, set out for the site along with about 20 volunteers uh, and discovered the bodies of all five men in various states of decomposition, having been left to the elements and animals for four months. First responders um, to the site noted that it appeared that extreme violence had befallen the men. And it was putrid with the smell of death. Frank Miller's uh, head was missing entirely from the campsite. His and Israel Swan's corpses had been considerably worked upon by scavengers and were little more than scattered bones. Yeah, I bet. Israel's skull had a jagged chunk missing out of it. And it was presumed that Miller's head had been carried away by an animal. The bodies of George Noon and James Humphrey were largely flayed torsos of rotting viscera attached to skeletal legs. Probably should have done a trigger warning. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. So trigger warning, guys. A little late. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh. 
Should we make this? An it's after a cannibalism dark? story. Yeah, yes. But uh, but the intact, but with intact and bearded faces, with Humphrey's face being slightly more decayed than Noon's. They had received blows to the head, the shape indicating perhaps a hatchet, and their bodies had noticeable broken bones. The shape indicating perhaps a hatchet. Yeah. Like we don't know. <laughs> Shannon Bell lay with largely skeletal legs splayed and arms to his side that were crudely cut to their bones, leading to hands that were still fully skinned. Uh, his remaining corpse was a putrid mass of viscera encased in an almost wholly flayed torso. Which led to an almost still-living face, complete with a thick red beard and bushy hair. The lack of noticeable decay on his face suggested that he had been the last to die. The top of Bell's skull had been ripped open and his brains were laying on the ground beneath him. The three men in whose bodies, whose bodies were still intact or partly intact had flesh and muscle excised from choice and meaty locations. No attempt had been made to consume bone marrow or any organs at all. And on that lovely note is where we will end this week's episode. Damn, that's the cliffhanger is on the description of the bodies, huh? Yep. All right. Wow. I know how to do it. Bold choice. I know. So, <clears throat> don't think we have any uh, updates other than my moving date keeps bouncing around. So Yeah. Um, if you've ever moved before, you get it. Yeah. yeah. They don't need to know exactly when you're moving. It's, yeah. you know. My new address will be. <laughs> I have two acres starting a commune. Let's go. Yeah, did you see someone last night whenever I posted about, um, I think when I edited the, talking about editing the One Piece pod uh-huh. uh, episode, um, the guy who goes by Father Donison's disciple said, uh-huh. why are you still editing, you know? You've got too much to do. And I said, what's well, the only way I can justify, you know, my future amphetamine <laughs> that I have to do as a cult leader? Because I think that's like one of the things. Sunglasses indoors. Uh-huh. It can be psychedelics. Psychedelics or amphetamines. Yep. Um, I mean, or opiates. Psychedelics uh, have pretty stimulating properties. Yeah. So uh, An obsession with guns. So I got to get on that. Yeah. That's super... going to take a minute. Yeah. There's a but, lot to learn. But, you know, I'm moving into Illinois with a two acres of land so yeah you got time yeah, yeah set up a range <laughs> um so yeah we don't have any updates right now like we said at the beginning of one of the episodes i don't know which one uh that we're possibly restructuring the patreon tier system oh yeah that was in the midweek midweek okay um but other than that i think we're going to wrap this up because we do have to do some behind the scenes talk um i have to punish the boys and then i need to take a nap Take a nap. You've been awake for what, two hours? I finished Starfield last night. And by last night, I mean like 10 hours ago. <laughs> okay, but you went to bed immediately after doing that, didn't you? Yeah, it, it, I got to sleep around 9.30. Okay, and what time did you wake up? 2.30. Okay, five hours. Good on you. You know, you could be a human being and just go to bed at night. Fucking no. <laughs> Not with my work schedule. I actually just can't. Get day jobs. Both of you get day jobs. No. I, no. Ew. I used to think that too. And then you reach a certain age and your brain was like, why, why the fuck do I want to be awake when the sun comes up? No, because you have to deal with more people when you work during the day. And 
Not if we can get this fucking podcast going right. The job that I have right now is the single best paying job on this island when you have not gone to college, so... And you're walking away from it. I am? When you move to Illinois, yeah? No, I'll probably fucking transfer, Don. (laughs) But how do you know that it's going to pay the same up there as it is down here? Because their minimum wage is even higher than here. Oh, okay. But that's not for you guys to discuss or worry (laughs) about. Um, That's behind the scenes shit. So on behalf of everybody here, I have been... Oh, wait. Yeah, I've been Father Donathan. I think I've been Harriet Tubman. Yes. And I've been Josh, also known as the Above Ground Railgun. So fuck cancer. Fuck the bitchels. Be good to yourselves. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.